0: Hey what is a victory? How y'all doing today? Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out to our family at Hamilton Mill. Uh, I was actually just with you guys uh, this last week It's so good to see your faces. Um, I want to give a shout out to our Midtown family as well. I'm actually gonna be with you guys in a few weeks when you get in your new building. Come on Jesus <laughs> And to all of our family online as well, hey, big deal that you're with us today. Hey, I don't know if we all know this, but you are part of a church here at Victory that believes in the next generation. Come on, we believe in our children. We believe in our middle school students, our high school students. We believe in upcoming young adults. We believe um, in the leadership. We believe in the calling. We believe in the potential. We believe in the dreams. We believe in the passions and the giftings. We believe in that and we invest in that and we wanna see our children really grow up to become everything that God dreamed for them to be. All right? And so we're investing in that. And so last week, we actually made a pretty big announcement there at Hamilton Mill uh, that the lead pastors there who received the baton from Summer and I, Pastor Rainey and Sherry, that they're actually going to be transitioning out of that role as campus pastors there at Hamilton Mill into what we would call a global role, overseeing the campuses and doing a lot of work here to to keep advancing the kingdom here at Victory. And into their place, we're really excited to announce that Chris and Lisa Frith are going to be stepping in as the campus pastors there Hamilton Mill. And Chris has actually been serving in this last season as the executive pastor over all youth and young adult here at Victory. And so a lot of the new vision, a lot of the the great things that have been happening across the campuses, he's really been driving. And so that obviously raises the question, who's going to be stepping in to to laying out the vision, leading our youth forward across all the campuses? And so it is my pleasure to announce to you today (laughs) that our very own in Brewington who pre here at last week, burned this place down. We actually had to rebuild this entire building uh, over the last week. Uh, no, but uh, fantastic man, fantastic family. And so we are so excited to, to welcome you into this role and see what God's gonna do through you in this next season. Hey Amen, we're so excited.
1: Hey, let me just say this. I don't wanna take a lot of time, but I'm thankful to, to be a part of a church that believes in the next generation. And uh, we're emancipating greatness, not just in our adults, but in our teenagers and our children as well. And I'm, I'm I'm so excited. And again, just wanted to take a second to give a quick plug. Man, if you have teenagers in your household you gotta get them plugged in okay at Hamilton Mill and here at Norcross, Cross we uh, meet our high schoolers every Wednesday night and then uh, on Sunday mornings we meet in middle school at, at all of our services and then also for our family at Midtown come on that new building is on the way we're come so home. excited so excited about it pastor And uh, as soon as we get into that building, we're going to have tons of opportunity to grow that young adult ministry there, as well as our high school ministry. Uh, But, man, I'm just excited for the opportunity. We're ready to equip and to release these young people.
0: Amen? Awesome, thank hey, you. Hey, let's pray over Kerman real quick. So once want you to stretch out your hands across all of our campuses. Let's pray over him. So Father, we thank you, God, that you are a good God, that you care about the generations. And I thank you for this man, for his family. And God, I pray that you would breathe life and passion and dreams and vision into him to influence especially our middle school students, our high school students, and our young adults, God, that you are raising up, training up in this house to be world shakers, world changers leaders in their generation. And right now we bless him and we welcome him into this role in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. <laughs> well, hey, everybody, I miss you guys. I miss you guys. I, I've kind of been gone for a minute. Thank you for allowing me to go. I've, I've been on sabbatical uh, for, for pretty much all of July. Uh, but, but how many of you know, um, not, not much stumbled here. Like the friends of the house showed up. My dad was a part of the, the, the Dear Church series. Pastor Dennis was in the house. Pastor James Meeks, Pastor John Jenkins, Dr. Sam Chan. I mean, the word was brought this summer. It was really good. Um, but hey, I was thinking about it this last week. I can't even fathom that it's already been a year. But right out a year ago is when God spoke two words to me. Um, right before we were going on a senior executive advance, and he said, emancipating greatness. And those two words have been shaping this house, have been shaping victory ever since then. And I believe this at my core. If nobody's ever told you this before, if all of your life circumstances have pointed in the opposite direction of this, I believe this with every fiber of my being is that you were made for something great. Come on, I believe that God smiled when he made you. I believe God has great dreams and plans for your life. But listen, don't get it twisted. It's not because you are innately great. It's not because you have this inner greatness that needs to get released that you own. No, it's just simply this fact is that you were made in the image of God, that God's greatness and God's gifts and God's plans have been put inside your life. God great gave you unique giftings and personalities and passions and dreams and callings. And one of the highest privileges of life, come on, is to get what God put in you out of you for his glory in the world around you. And that's what we're about here at Victory, is that the glory of God is man fully alive, all right? And and, and in January, we kind of set the course really for the next two years, and we said this, is that this year is all about health so that next year we can go so that we can go next year. So here's the deal, guys. We are almost two-thirds of the way through the year of health. So how you doing with that? <laughs> all right, if you ain't on the bus yet, the door's open. You can get on. We're gonna keep moving. Don't get left behind, all right? And so here's the deal. Here's the specific question that we've been asking, even as we're looking at like our teaching series like this. We've been asking this that what are the excuses that we're gonna make next year when it's time to go? We're trying to think ahead, right? When it's time to start the business, time to step out of the boat, time to, to share your faith with your coworker, time to make disciples, time to step up into leadership. What's the thing inside you that you're gonna say like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that? And, and so let's address it now and remove that excuse for them. Let's get healthy now, right? And so what we've done, we've tackled some pretty big ideas. We've tackled this fact that we're made in the image of God. We've tackled um, this idea of how to overcome offense. We've talked about how to hear the voice of the living God. We've talked about how to live holy and set apart. Even this, over the summer, I believe that God started healing some father wounds on the inside of us. And now we're ready to step into this next big area because I'm convinced of this, okay? I'm convinced of this. Is that... If if God called you and said, it's finally time to release the book, it's finally time to step out of the boat, then too many of us would say, no, 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 I can't take that risk. Because what if I fall? I don't have anybody to catch me. I don't have the communal support system that I need to really be able to step out in faith. If I were to stand up here and ask you to lead a small group, what would you say? A lot of us would say like, nah, man, you haven't seen my house man, my marriage is a wreck. My kids are crazy. People are lighting things on fire. Like, it is bad. I could never do that. And so here's the idea, guys. Here's the the truth for us that's really gonna lay the foundation for the next few weeks is that we have to get our families in order. Come on. And too many of us are wanting to minister out there when our family's a mess in here. And we've, we've forgotten that our first ministry starts at home. In fact, if you're a pastor and you're listening to me today, you need to hear that. Your first ministry starts at home. And we all know this, right? Is that the family's a mess right now? Come on, like, right? Like the, the, the world's trying to redefine family. The enemy's attacking family. Uh, especially during COVID, divorce is just out of control right now. Too many kids are growing up without dad in the house. All right, but here's a little bit of encouraging news for us, Okay is that the Bible is full of messy families. So we're not the only ones, all right? And and here's the thought, okay, is that every family has a story, all right? Now, some of those are horror stories, all right? Maybe your family's a drama. I like to think of my family as a romantic comedy. (laughs) But, But when you open up the Bible, you find out that the Bible's full of soap opera families. Right? You know, come on, like when Adam and Eve sin, Adam blames Eve, and then he blames God for even making Eve. That's a joker. Everybody likes to blame Eve in that situation. Adam was the biggest screw up in all that. And then the first human ever born, Cain, kills the second human ever born, Abel, right? And then Abraham marries Sarah, if you know that story, he tries to give her away, like multiple times. But God puts them back together. And then they're having a hard time having a baby. And so Sarah's like, hey, Abraham, just sleep with my servant. By the way, (laughs) it's a trap. (laughs) Like, guys, if your wife ever says, hey, we're just in a slump, just go sleep with my friend. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. And what happens is her assistant does get pregnant. But God says, I didn't tell you to have a baby with Hagar, I told you to have a baby with Sarah. And so what happens is they actually, the, 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 the woman and the child, they actually get rejected, have to be sent away, but then Abraham does have a baby with Sarah and his name is Isaac. And then Isaac has two kids, Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob steals the family blessing from Esau, And so Esau spends the rest of his life trying to kill him. And then later, King David sees this woman bathing, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, kills her husband. The baby dies. But then they have more kids who who kill each other and then throw David off the throne. One of the kids' name is Solomon, who's a sex addict, who has a thousand partners, and his kids grow up to completely divide the kingdom. So if your family's a little messy today, you're in good company. You're gonna be all right. Maybe you don't have that stuff going on. You're like, maybe my family's not that bad after all. (laughs) But here's the idea, okay? If you didn't inherit a good family story, you can start one today. If you haven't had a good family story up until this point, You can start one today. And guys, here's what we're about at Victory. We are about more white wedding dresses. Come on, we're about more men and women entering into marriage and purity. We're about fun, passionate, fantastic marriages that are not measured in days, but are measured in decades. Come on, we're about killing divorce in our generation. We're about parents who love their kids and kids who love their parents and training up the next generation of champions who love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Gonna be leaders in their generation. Listen, here at Victory, we are about second chances. We're about hope and restoration and new beginnings regardless of what has happened in our past because we're about forgiveness and we're about grace and we're about a deep sense of belonging. We're about having successful single seasons. Come on, S cubed. Come on, singles. We're about going through that season well and we're about amazing friendships. We're about community. Why? Because we're about building family. It's bigger than something we put on the wall. It's who we are and so what we're gonna do, we're gonna spend the next week, the next few weeks, tackling family, okay, trying to get our arms around this. We're gonna talk about marriage. We're gonna talk about communication and parenting. We're gonna talk about um, uh, leading lost loved ones to the Lord. We're gonna talk about leading a, leaving a legacy. And so whether or not you're a single or you're a single parent or you're a blended family or you're what we would call a traditional family, there's space for you here, Right. Because even though many of us would would want this, the family's not as clean as mom and dad and two and a half kids and Fido, right? And the white picket fence. It's not that clean anymore. In fact, maybe this is all a little bit more family-ish than it's ever been. And so for today, what I wanna do, I wanna introduce you to a new word. I wanna introduce you to this keyword, but it's actually gonna come from a place that you probably didn't think you would hear in a family series. It's Mark 5, Mark 5. And so if you got your Bibles, flip over there. You can click over there. It'll be on the screens. And what happens in Mark 5 is this, is that Jesus um, sets sail from from the west side of the Sea of Galilee over in that Capernaum area, the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. And he gets in a boat and he goes over to the east side, to the Gentile side, to the pretty messy side of the sea. I'm so glad that Jesus is okay leaving the clean side and going to the messy side of our lives. Come on, somebody. And when Jesus shows up, What happens is totally Jesus stuff, right? This demon-possessed guy comes out of this cave right, and it's straight up out of a horror movie. Like this guy, they've tried to chain him, he's broken his chains, he grabs rocks and he's cutting himself with the rocks. Like this guy's out of control, he's losing his mind. And what we find out is that he doesn't just have a demon in him, he has a legion of demons in him, which in the Roman military structure was four to 6,000 soldiers. This dude is lost. This dude's gone. This guy's hopeless. Thousands of demons inside this guy. And it's kind of like, you know, for us, you know, if you bought a house and you walked in and it was haunted, you'd be like, deuces, right? You know, like, I'm out of here. Jesus does the opposite. Jesus walks in, the place is messed up, and he takes a step forward. He doesn't leave. He takes a step forward, and he engages this demon-possessed man. The demons start shrieking in terror. Why? Because Jesus has the name that is above every single name, that the darkness is terrified of the light, and Jesus casts the demons out of this man. Why? Because Jesus has authority over whatever is oppressing you, that no one is too far gone, no one is trapped, that God arm is is strong enough to rescue any person from whatever depth of of slavery that you might find yourself in. And now this man finds himself there sober and in his right mind, right? Complete freedom, complete liberty. Why? Because he met Jesus. And then the the locals kind of tell Jesus to leave. And Jesus is like, all right, now i will say deuces because I set this guy free. And the guy wants to go with them, And here's where we pick it up, Mark 5:18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus didn't permit him to come, but said to him, go home. Everybody say, go home. Go home, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And this formerly demon-possessed man became the first missionary in that area. He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, these 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. See, guys, I don't know about you, but I would wanna go with Jesus too. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. This next season of your life isn't to follow me around. In fact, I've already done the work that you need in your life. Go home. It's time to go home. And Jesus introduces us to this really important word that we find all throughout the New Testament, okay? He introduces us to this word home, which in the Greek is oikos. Everybody say oikos. Sounds a little piggy, but you know, let's oikos. We're gonna say it a thousand times over the next few minutes. Here's what oikos is. Oikos is the Greek word for household, which refers to the 20 to 70 people, blood and non-blood, who made up the Greco-Roman Household, and so here's here's what we have to begin understanding. Okay, guys, this is a different culture um, than we live in. The, the The society was set up a little differently. That houses they didn't make houses like they do now, right? Houses were not set up to be mom, dad, and and a handful of kids, right? These guys lived. Together, these guys had extended family living together. In fact, um, we found, I found like this cross section of an oikos. Can we put this up here um, real quick? All right, so there's a lot going on in this picture, but imagine this is like a house cut in diagonal, okay? And so it's two floors, but this is the kind of like the, the nice oikos is what it would be called. So down there at the bottom right, you see like the kitchen. You see people inside there. In the top right, that's kind of where they were working. And then there's a little fire in the middle where they would gather together. And so, um, so the kids are over here. Some of the animals are there. Upstairs, there's all these rooms. And what it was, it was the entire extended family, blood and not blood, living together in this place. Why? Because they're robbers, because they were thieves. And so they needed each other. They needed each other for protection, for provision vision for friendship, so they grouped up together, and they formed these sorts of homes where it wasn't just this us four and no more, but it was actually this communal sort of life together. You know, let, let, me, let me bring in another verse here. So maybe, maybe you all remember this, where later on, um, t- where Jesus is about to die, right? And Thomas asked him, he said, Jesus, where are you going? And Je- what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right, y'all remember that? Well, here's what happens. That, that's Jewish wedding language is what that is if you didn't know. Literally what would happen is when, when a Jewish man proposed to a Jewish woman, he would say, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. And he would go back to his dad's house and he would build a room onto his dad's house. And when the room was finally ready, because how many of you, you know, like young guys are jokers when it would come to this? Well, like, yeah, the room's ready. Yeah, yeah, I got it together. Because he's ready. But it wasn't until the father said, hey, the room's ready. Now you can go get your bride. Hey, listen, Jesus is coming again. He's preparing a place for us. But this is what would happen in these settings, okay? Why, because the families all lived together. This was this huge extended family. But oikos wasn't just the walls. It was actually what was contained within those walls, right? This was the family that lived in those walls, just like we all know that the church is not the building, right? We've heard that a thousand times, right? Like the church is kind of the building, but it's really, it's, it's, it's what happens in the building. It's who's in the building. It's who's part of the family. That's really what the church is in the same way with the oikos, right? That the oikos was this nuclear biological family, but it wasn't just the nuclear biological family it was the extended spiritual family. It's your friends, it's your kids, it's your friends' kids, it's your coworkers, it's your neighbors, they're all part of your oikos. And this is the group that you serve with. This is the group that you break bread with. This is the group that you share life with, that you study scripture with, you pray with, that you fast with, that you read the Bible with, that you go to baseball games with, that you go to see movies with, that you laugh with, that you cry with, the ones who pick you up when you fall down, that's your oikos. That it's not just your family, it's your family, right? It's the family and the friends who might as well be family. It's your family. It's the people who are closest to you, the people that you can call when life hurts. This is that 20 to 70, this is, this is your tribe, if I can say it like that. You know, when Jesus is preaching and someone tells him his family's there, here's what he says, Matthew 12, 48. He he replied to them. He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He wasn't being feisty. He was actually trying to make a point. He's saying to his disciples, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Listen, that's your oikos. In this room is some of your oikos, right? Because we may not have blood together, but we got spirit together. Come on, Hamilton Mill, you may not have blood together, but you got spirit together. Midtown, come on, you're sharing the same spirit together of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus tells this man to go back home, he's not saying like, hey, go back to your house. What he's saying is, go back to your relationships and tell them about the goodness of God and your life. Go back to your oikos. Go back to this network that you have this, this, this larger family that you have and tell them about how good God is. You know, I, I've been watching the Olympics the last few weeks, and uh, it's been a really unique experience, right? Because no spectators are allowed because of COVID. And so it looks like the athletes are all alone. Right, you know, I mean, they're out there. I, I've, at first, my heart was really going out for them. It still does because it's, it's just, nobody wants these sorts of circumstances. But as the events are going on, what happens is the camera shot changes back to their house. Right, have y'all been watching this? Like the 12 people watching Olympics right now? <laughs> so what's happening is they're not, they're not all alone because the camera actually goes back home and everybody, there's like 40 people inside the room and they're all losing their minds. Right, like dad is lighting the couch on fire, like boyfriend's running around the room, mom's hair is sticking straight up, friends are flipping cars in the parking lot, like ah, like they're losing their minds, just like they were there. Why? Because that's the that's the oikos, that's 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 the, that's the group. Listen, if you were running a race tomorrow, if you had your book launch tomorrow. If you opened up the restaurant tomorrow, if you stepped out tomorrow, if you got the dream job tomorrow, if you got the promotion tomorrow, who would be around you like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Flipping cars, burning things, celebrating you, lifting you up, pushing you out. That's your oikos. That's your oikos. And when the early church is just beginning, they enter into this This beautiful way of life, and we've read it before in Acts 2, but I I just want us to to focus in on this. Acts 2, uh, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And guys, this is the life that we were made for. This is the life all of us long for. This is the life we don't know how to do, but we see it and we're jealous, right? Because it's so life-giving. It's so God-saturated. It's sharing, it's loving. It's something we can't find out in the world today, but we can find it in God. And I want, I want us to look, okay? I want us to look really carefully, okay? One of these verses, Acts 2.46. And I want us to see the two places where they gathered, okay? And so if you've never looked at this before, then, then scriptures can be broken up into sentences, part A and part B, and so here's, here's the idea. Every day, 2.46a, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, Acts 2.46b, they broke bread in their homes, there's that word oikos again, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so the two places where the early church would gather is in the temple and in the oikos, in the homes with a larger spiritual family. And here is what's glaringly obvious to me. Let's leave that up there. I want us to pay attention to this. Let's put that scripture back up there. Here's what's glaringly obvious to me, okay, is that we today are really good at 246A. We're really bad at 246B. Come on, church folk. We're really good at church. We're really bad at breaking bread in each other's homes and sharing life together. Last week, I I, I was watching um, a a college basketball player who had graduated, uh, and he was being interviewed, and they asked him this question. They said, what's gonna be your favorite memory of your time at Boston College? He thought for a second, two seconds, and then all of a sudden his eyes start watering up. This grown giant man. He hangs his head. He's trying to compose himself. Five seconds, 10 seconds later, he picks his head up and he's just, tears are coming down his face. He says this, my favorite memory he's gonna be going out to eat. <laughs> Which is hilarious at first. But every person who has ever been part of a team, especially the higher up you go, knows exactly what this guy's talking about. Because bigger than any win, bigger than any championship, his family, breaking bread together, going out to Wendy's after a game, sharing life, picking each other up. All the wins, all the losses, you do it together. And what this guy was gonna miss, more than anything else, it wasn't the trophies, it was the friendships. It was his family that he was gonna miss the most, his oikos is what he was gonna miss the most. And so listen, guys, we know church. We're really good at building big buildings. We're really good at assembling hundreds of volunteers, having amazing worship, huge production, right? Right? Engaging sermons, big youth ministry, big children's ministry, and all that stuff's great. We're really good at the big gathering, but what we're not so good at is leaving the big gathering and entering into spiritual family and caring for each other and breaking bread together and confessing our sins one to another so that we might be healed. And picking each other up when they fall down and celebrating each other when we win and sharing our struggles and sharing our possessions, sharing the good times and sharing the bad times. And then locking arms and living missionally to go take the kingdom into the world. We're really good at the big, really bad at the small. And seeing guys, here, here's how this plays out, okay, is that persecution broke out in the early church, right? Paul's murdering Christians, right? This is before he meets Jesus. He's, he's, he's putting the hit out on Christians. And so what happens is they can't gather in the temple anymore. You can't gather in the temple when we're murdering Christians. So what do they do? They fall back to the oikos, They retreat back just for a season back into the extended spiritual family gatherings. The oikos, the tight spiritual family, listen, is our protection against persecution. Listen, the oikos is our protection against the government. It's not lawyers, thank God for lawyers. The real protection against the government is each other. Is having somebody to pick you up, having somebody to lean on, having this extended spiritual family. The oikos is our protection against epidemics. And if there's anything that this last season has taught us, there anything that COVID has taught us, is that way too many Christians rely on the big gathering for our only connection to Jesus because we've forsaken the oikos and we don't actually have spiritual family outside of this place. And so we rely on a Sunday fix. And listen guys, I'm not against the large gathering, but I am against only seeing each other one day a week. I'm not against the large gathering. I'm, I, I, you know what I'm against? I'm against formulaic small groups that meet every other Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m., and Bob talks for 45 minutes, then Samantha gossips for five, (laughs) and the kids run around for 15, causing craziness, right? And then we say, bye, guys. I'll see you again in two weeks. I'm against a Sunday-centric Christianity that doesn't know how to love neighbor when we leave here. because we have to gather in the temple and we also have to gather in the oikos. That's what we're called to do. And we cannot trick ourselves into thinking that we actually have real deep, vulnerable, life-giving spiritual family on a Sunday morning. I'm sorry, hate to burst your bubble. You can disagree with me all day long, but listen, it's too easy to walk inside these doors Hamilton Mill, Midtown. It's too easy to walk inside these doors, lift your hands, sit down, stand up, amen, and you turn around and you walk back out and you never move past surface level with anybody. It's too easy. I am tired of meeting people who have been here for six months but don't know anybody. And listen, that's kinda on you, but it's really on us. Because we're so focused on us four no more, I gotta go get my kids, I gotta go get the appointment, I gotta go do the thing, that we never actually open up our eyes to have family. And here's the really tricky thing about that way of living is that it feels like it works until something breaks. It feels like, oh, this is great. I'm going to church on Sunday. It's really good. I I mean, that's my my only spiritual thing. But it it feels like, listen, okay, I'm gonna step on your toes. It feels like it works when you're just streaming at home. Feels like it works until something breaks, until the addiction comes roaring back, until your spouse files for divorce, until the kids go crazy, until you lose your job, it feels like it works until something breaks. And then what happens is you start banging the church doors down, showing up at the office. Why does nobody care about me? Why does nobody come on? And what what you want in 10 seconds is what you've forsaken for the last 10 years. <laughs> I want somebody to hear about me. I want why does nobody know my name? because all you've done is come in and you sit down and then you go back home. All you've done is clicked online and then you click off. We're called to the temple, but we're also called to the oikos. And here's what we have to understand, guys. God's story in the Old Testament centers around the biological family. Right, The mom's dads, the grandma's granddads, the, 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 the grandchildren centers around the blood family. But God's story in the New Testament centers around the spiritual family. God's story in the Old Testament revolves around the biological family. God's story in the New Testament revolves around the spiritual family, which can be the blood family, okay? But it's bigger than the blood family. It's the oikos, it's the uncles, it's, it's the cousins, it's your coworkers. It's your neighbors. It's, it's the, the people that you go to church with. It's people you do life with. That God's story finds its home in there. Listen, the oikos is the primary vehicle for the gospel that God has today. It is not a Sunday morning gathering. It's a group of people who are on spiritual mission together out into a lost and dying world. And we see it all throughout the scriptures. Listen, remember when Jesus sends 72 disciples out? Right, remember that? He sends them out to go into the oikos. He says, hey, if you go, in, go into a town and that town is, receives you in, let your peace rest upon the, upon the oikos there. As you're gonna go in to these larger gatherings, you're not just going into a house with mom and dad and two kids. No, you're going into this whole family network, this family network, right? When, when, when uh, Paul taught in Ephesus, it says that he went oikos to oikos. He went house to house, but again, that's not him sitting down with four people. No, it's him sitting down with like 50 people who are all doing life together. It says uh, in, in, in Corinthians, right? When No, in Acts, when Paul and Silas are locked in jail and then God frees them with an earthquake, right? And it says that the jailer's whole household comes to the Lord. That's his oikos. It's not just him and his wife and his two kids. No, it's his whole family network comes to the Lord. Why? Because God's primary way of working in the New Testament is through the oikos. It's through the spiritual family. Thank God for the biological family. But I have good news for you today, guys. Your biological family may be a mess you may be an orphan you may be a widow and listen the world tells you and even you see it in the Old Testament is you're in trouble you're lost, nobody cares about you. why? Because the stories even in our world today revolves around the biological family, which is a mess. but God's method today is through the spiritual family. And so your mother and your father may have forsaken you, but God receives you in. you're adopted. you're part of the family. You have mothers in this house and brothers in this house and dads in this house and you could have spiritual children in this house. you are an orphan no longer. You have a home, you have a home in the house of God. And that's where family begins. It doesn't begin with blood, it begins with spirit. And listen, thank God that it can trickle out from here. But some of you, you're about to go home into completely broken messes because you're the only person in your family who believes. Maybe some of you are online right now because you're the only person in your family who believes you're welcome into this spiritual family. You're not an orphan, you're not an outcast, and you're not alone. And so what we have to do is we have to, if I can say it like this, we have to pull up a few extra chairs into our circle and make more space for more family because this thing is not about us for and no more. This thing's about friends. This thing's about neighbors. This thing's about coworkers. This thing's about the people who are sitting around you today. And listen, you may be saying, no, no, we're fine. I tell you in the name of the Lord, your family needs family. Because again, what, hap- what happens when you lose your job? Oh, no, but if you're actually in Oikos, we support each other. Your family needs family and others need your family. Because one of the greatest benefits of being involved in Oikos, being involved in spiritual family, is that we can actually see, not just here on a Sunday morning, we can actually see what healthy family looks like. Go with me, okay? One one of the biggest problems today is that people don't know what a healthy family looks like because their family was broken. And so that's why so many people don't want to get married right now. Right, because all they ever saw was their own family, which was broken. So many, so many married people, they don't wanna have children because all they ever saw was their own family dynamics. And so I, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna bring a child into all that mess. right? And so we're hopeless. But think about this, think about this. In, in the, the, the first century, in, in biblical times, a disciple would follow the rabbi. Okay, why? They wouldn't just sit there in the temple and hear him lecture, but then they would go with him. Why? Because they wanted to see what he saw and they wanted to hear what he heard and they wanted to see how he talked. They wanted to see how he treated people. They learned from hearing him pray. They learned from hearing him speak and teach and watching his life work out. In fact, the common blessing at the time was this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. That's how you would bless a disciple. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because they were saying this, may you follow your teacher so closely that you get covered. May you follow them so closely that, that his ways get on you. Listen, when you're raised in a family, that dust gets on you. And some of you were raised in healthy families. So you got gold dust. Come on, lots of times when you're in a healthy family, you don't understand how blessed you are because it's just the way life works, right? But you're blessed. But many people grew up in unhealthy families. And here's what you also have to understand. You're also covered in that dust. And the problem is, many of us don't even know what a healthy family looks like because all we're covered with is the dust of brokenness. And I believe this, listen to me. I believe that over the next few weeks that God is going to supernaturally clean that broken family dust off of us and relay the foundation for what a healthy family looks like. Because too many of us, we feel like we're trying to put a 10,000-piece puzzle together, but we don't have the box picture. So we're just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with a relationship. I don't know how I'm supposed to treat a woman. I don't know how I'm supposed to treat a man. I don't know how to raise kids. I don't, I don't know. And what God wants to do, he wants to bring you firstly into this thing called oikos because we need a spiritual family that has pulled a chair up for us so that we can come into that and watch, and watch. Listen, this was the blessing in Jewish culture right? Uh, I know it may not sound like it to our American ears, but mom and dad were still in the house. Grandparents were still in the house, right? The adult children were there. They had their children there. The extended family, they would open up their doors and the friendship circles would come in, right? So that they could see and watch and learn and grow from each other. And so married couple, I got an idea. What would it look like for you to pull a few chairs up inside your circle? to invite people over to your home, to invite people to just, not with any agenda, just come in and eat dinner with us. You can see like, oh, that's how a marriage can look like. Oh, that's, that's how you treat kids. Oh, oh. What would it look like if you befriended an older couple so you would actually be able to learn from those who have gone before us? Single people, what would happen if we actually made space in our schedules, right? To actually engage in real spiritual family, right? Because your friends matter, right? Come on, somebody, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You're hanging out with the wrong people and they will tear your life down. But come on, in the family of God, their safety, in the family of God, there's help. And what we might actually find is that we find ourselves saying things like this. Oh, that's what a healthy marriage looks like. I can do that. Oh, that's what a healthy family looks like. Oh, I didn't even realize, man, my family really was messed up. But man, I can do that. I can do that. In God, I can do that. Oh, that's what grace looks like. Oh, that's what for- forgiveness looks like. Oh, that's how healthy people actually talk to each other. Oh, that's how you pray. Oh, that that's that's how you forgive oh, that's what it looks like to share the good news. And we learn from each other because no longer is it us four no more. We're actually beginning to form oikos. We're pulling up chairs to the table. And let me tell you guys, within this large family, you need your own spiritual family. Yes, we are a big spiritual family, okay? But just imagine, Come on, just imagine this is like a family reunion. A thousand people in the room here, hundreds at Hamilton Mill, hundreds at Midtown, right? You know, and you're like, I kind of recognize Uncle Joe. He's the weird one. You know, and oh, here comes crazy cat lady, Aunt Samantha, you know, like. But inside that, you have have to have your own circle. You have to have your own, like, that you can sit down with and connect with and do life with. Listen, you need your own family inside this family that if you're out of work, they'll help provide for you and you can do the same for them. You need your own family within this family that can watch the kids so you can have a date night and you can do the same for them. You need a family within this family that picks you up when you fall down and you can do the same for them. And as we become spiritual family, it is my prayer that the Lord would add to our numbers daily those who are being saved. Why? Because in John 17, Jesus says that when we're one, that's when the world's finally gonna know that he's sent by the Father. That there's something magnetic about a healthy family. Right, come on, we live in a world that only knows division and divorce and offense and selfishness. But when we can model love and giving, come on, and, and, and overlooking offense and health and healing, that's like a magnet to the source of that family, whose name is Jesus. And so today, I invite you to be known. I invite you to do something crazy for church people. Go on, listen in Midtown. I invite you to get here early. I'm gonna step on your toes real quick, but hey, listen, I do the same thing. Okay, so listen. One of the greatest signs of selfishness is when we get here late. Because what we're saying is this thing's only about me. I don't care about the rest of you jokers, right? I'm just in here and then I'm gonna leave. What would happen if we actually came early and we met somebody? What would happen, I'm gonna guilt trip you from leaving fast. what would happen if we walked slowly through the lobbies when we leave? And like looked around for somebody else walking slowly and met somebody, introduced ourselves to them. What would happen today, Hamilton Mill, come on, that when we're picking up our kids from children's ministry, we see who our kids are talking to and go and meet those parents. What would happen if we actually invited somebody out for a meal today? What would happen if you went on victoryatl.com and joined a small group? And then when you're in that small group, you're like, no, 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 we ain't doing the every other week thing, and i only see you guys once every 14 days. No, I I need some people I'm gonna live life with. What if we actually called and checked on some people that we haven't seen in a while? Come on, it's COVID, man, things are crazy right now. What would happen if we actually called and checked on some people? What would happen if you reached out to some family? Right? That you haven't seen in a while. So right now, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make your circle a little bit bigger. And extroverts are gonna love it. (laughs) Introverts, we're gonna get through this together. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Don't run out of this room. Hamilton Mill, Midtown, I see you. I'm gonna give you five minutes Okay, and then we're gonna close up. We need you five minutes to talk, to talk to somebody that you don't know. Okay, don't make it hard. Don't like run around the room like, oh, I'm just I'm looking for somebody to meet with. You know? okay. <laughs> Stay in your seat. Slide down if you need to. Don't turn to your girlfriend. Don't turn to your spouse. All right, try and go in the four directions. In front, behind, left, right. Okay, if there's two people already grouped up and you're like the orphan, be like... Hey, can I, yeah, that's all right, okay, but I'm really aiming for two, okay, because we only have a few minutes. And I'm gonna give you three questions, all right, so that you can just crack beneath the surface. Online, listen, it's a little bit difficult, but Pastor is actually gonna pick up that baton. He's gonna take, take over right now, and I'm gonna give you three questions across our campuses. Here's, here's the three questions, okay? Can we, can we put these up real quick? Um, I want you to say your name. The first one's kind of like a catch-all, but name, how long you been at Victory, how you found Victory. Okay, second question, super spiritual. <laughs> it's really important though. Third question is this How can I pray for you? Don't complicate that. Don't list like 17 things. One thing, one thing, how I can pray for you. And I actually want you to pray for each other. Okay? Don't like yell at them in tongues. Come on, people. <laughs> um, and if, listen, if we're all kind of in the, across the spiritual spectrum today, um, if you don't feel comfortable, listen, it's totally fine to say, hey, I don't feel comfortable praying, but here's how you can pray for me, okay? So let's put the, you know, we're gonna, if we can get a five-minute countdown, I don't know if we can. Um, we're gonna put a five-minute timer up here, and let's just begin fanning out. Let's crack beneath the surface. I'm gonna go off mic because I want to talk to somebody, too. All right, so this is a great way for us to be able to
1: connect online. Just like Pastor Johnson said, really the the best way to experience this is we have a chance to be in the room, but we have not forgotten about you guys. So we want to give you a chance to participate as well. We're going to drop the questions into the chat. Right now, I want everybody to participate. So if you're watching on your TV, go ahead and pull up your cell phone, jump on YouTube, Facebook, or even the website, live.victoryatl.com, and let's learn a little bit more about each other. All right. So the questions uh-huh. are real simple. Why don't you go ahead and like, kick us off with the first two. I, I want to hear how you got to Victory and what your favorite dessert is.
2: Sure, sure. So we actually started coming to Victory in 2015. Um, it was actually kind of by chance. We were going to go to First Baptist Atlanta, and then we were like, ah. Uh, Let's go check out this victory church everyone's talking about. And so I have to give my my husband credit because it was his idea. Smart man, Mike. Yes. As soon as we came, we heard Pastor Dennis preach, and it was love at first sight. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Very cool. All right. Now, like Pastor Justin said, the real spiritual question, uh-huh. what is your favorite dessert?
2: Favorite dessert? Uh, if I had to pick, because I don't do a lot of dessert, but if I had to pick, I would say churros with some vanilla ice cream. Oh,
1: great answer. Yeah. Great answer. Now, make yes. sure you guys are putting your comments down because in just a few seconds, we're going to be referencing live right mm-hmm. now the very things that you guys are putting down on whatever platform it might be. So make sure you put your answers. We're going to be, be, be talking about them in just a few seconds. Okay, I came to right. victory mm-hmm. from your final destination, which is way back in the early 2000s. It was huh. a big outreach event they did. Okay. We saw so many people come to Christ. I had a chance to visit all the way back then. Uh-huh. And then let's see, uh, my favorite dessert. Okay, I love Tris leches. Absolutely okay. Okay. love it. Okay, so we have somebody on YouTube. Right now, Frederick Williams, his favorite dessert mm-hmm. is apple crumble pie. All that right, good. my friend, that that is that really that's good. some wisdom right there. We, we have, have one of those right now. Camille, she's been coming to victory for five years. Thank you for being a part of our church. Camille, yes. your favorite dessert is ice cream.
2: All right, I, I think yeah. we're all
1: going with the real Who staples doesn't like here. doesn't ice cream. Ice cream, <laughs> you scream. Every, uh, my kids definitely scream <laughs> for ice cream. On Especially Facebook, in the summer. we have Kenyon Walker. So, her same story like yours. Her husband found victory about 12 years ago. Okay. First online. We had an online campus all the way back then (laughs) while we were streaming. And now she has the chance to be a part of our campus now. So, thank you so much. Carrie Ann Walker, glad that you have a chance to be a part. That's awesome. All right. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into some of my favorite parts, being able to hear what some of your prayer requests are. Yeah. So if you can have somebody pray for you right now, what's Mm -hmm. the one thing you would say, please pray for me about this?
2: Sure. So mine is a little more kind of about some of the things happening at Victory because in my role with missions, we are getting ready to do some mission trips. And I am just really asking for prayer that God would make a way because there's so many things that are uncertain right now and we're making plans and we want our plans to be his plans, but just asking for prayer over everyone that's Lining up and everyone that's going to be going on a trip next year. Well,
1: with 20 mission trips going on next year, that's going to be a lot. With my kids going back to school, I would love for you guys to pray for me and my family. You know, it's it's still kind of online and in person. It's so hard for kids to navigate and for parents Mm -hmm. as well. So we we would love for prayer requests for that. So as you're seeing the other prayer requests right now, I hope that you guys maybe put down like, hey, I see your prayer request. I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. Like, let's see. We have um, Shawnee. Right now, I think that she is on the website. She put down that her, her best friend is a member. That's how she, she found us. And she would love for prayer for your marriage. We got you. We're going to be praying Amen. over all these later on. And let's see, Frederick, you would let love- prayer just to continue to grow as the man that God has called you to be. I love that heart. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Let's see. For Carrie Ann, we referenced you earlier. You would love prayer requests for your friend, Tamisha, you who just lost. Oh, man, that's a, this is a mm-hmm. hard one. I'm so glad that we have a chance to see yeah. what so many people are walking through. Mm-hmm. Her friend just lost her two um, boys in an accident from this wow. past Monday. Obviously, I'm sure it's hit the family really hard, but we as a church mm-hmm. get to pray for Absolutely. and support this family. And so these things we would never know right. if people don't have a chance to be involved within a family and share these experiences. Okay, so here's mm. here's someone else from Facebook, from John. His name is John. And you would love to just pray over your mental health. I mean, I bet okay. a lot of us could yeah. say amen That's over a good that one. with all the stress this past year. Hey, for everybody that would say that they've been feeling mm-hmm. that, we're praying for every single Absolutely. one of you. Now, I think Pastor Johnson is coming back up now, so let's go ahead and go back to him.
2: All righty.
0: All right, bring it back in. This is what happens to church people. You get them going, wind them up. Hey, here's the great thing. If you didn't get to finish, service is about to be over. You guys can talk to each other all you want to. Head over to the cafe at Hamilton Mill, Midtown. I mean, here, you're about to have a cafe at Midtown. Come on, Jesus, you you guys can talk in the parking lot. Uh, (laughs) In the meantime. Um, was that good? Yeah. We should do that more often. Learned some great things about you two guys. It's awesome. Love, love that. That was. It's amazing how fast you can get to know somebody in five minutes, and them to get to know you. Um, by the way, my name is Johnson. Um, I came to Victory in 1999, and I came because some of my wife's uh, parents came. And so I wisely followed them because we weren't married yet, and I wanted to be married one day. Um, my favorite dessert uh, is made by one of our very own here at Victory, Polly Burns, who makes key lime pie. Come on, Jesus. Change your life. And how you can pray for me. Uh, my, uh, my uncle passed away this week, my dad's brother, uh, who is here with us, uh, his one brother. Um, um, and his, uh, his funeral's in Athens today, later on. I gotta go up there and see some family and help to lead that. And so you can be praying for my family today. So hey, let's, let's bow our heads and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the community of believers. I thank you for the fellowship that we can have. God, that we are called to gather in the temple, but we're also called to gather in the oikos and our smaller, but still very significant, spiritual families. And God, I pray that in this house, you are building family in the name of Jesus, true, legitimate, beneath surface level, intimate, belonging, spiritual family. And God, I thank you that that's all possible because of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who encountered that oppressed, caged man in Mark 5, and he set him free. And he's still doing the same thing for us. And so here's the deal, guys. You may feel like your family's beyond hope, I know your family's not beyond hope because Jesus is alive. And the one who who did what man cannot do, listen, people had tried to chain that man, but he broke the chains. It was impossible. But when God showed up, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so Jesus can heal your family. Jesus can heal your past. Jesus can prepare a hope and a future for your family. Listen. I believe that even what man is trying to separate, what the enemy is trying to destroy, God is well able to put together and give you truly a hope and a future in Jesus' name. And so some of you today, you need to say yes to Jesus. You've been kind of living your own life, trying, trying to forge your own way, but it's not working. But we can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We can be born again and the old things are passed away and all there is is new. And so if today you say, I need to say yes to Jesus, I wanna lead you in this prayer And so you can repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, died on the cross, rose again, that you're alive. And right now, I repent of my sin, of my way, of my pride, of my selfishness, and I turn to you. I put my faith in Jesus, and through that faith, by your grace, I believe that I am forgiven, I am free, I am whole, I am new, and I'm now in the family of God. You are my Father, and this is my family. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Let's give praise to the Lord.